seconds before the president speaks and completely ruins our days again <laughs> and then it's like a week before we see you guys again and then the president speaks again so hello welcome to the hot box show we're just talking amongst ourselves as usual we've been here doing this for absolutely ages dale's joining me in studio uh to bring a bit of life onto the subject yeah we're still and here still keeping sane somewhat mm -hmm. we're still here and we're still quarantined and i haven't been out since the last time you saw me but I know people who are in and out, and we got like an electrician and stuff doing stuff for us. Anyway, episode 130 what? Two? No. One. 130. 130. 130. 130. 130. 130. 130. Episode 130. We're going to go to uh, North America tonight, and we're going to go to Cape Town tonight to hear two different dichotomies about lockdown. We've got Buzz and Dan and Joe in the hangouts here and around the place, and... Um, it's obviously really weird not hanging out with them on mass an hour before the show and getting baked and grilled and doing a burrowers roll, but we're doing our best really. Welcome, hello Buzz, hello Joe. What's up, guys? Hello. Oh, oh, oh. So had an interesting week, chaps. Done anything nice? Done any nice restaurants or seen a good movie or? No, I thought not. <clears throat> I had a. I went out to a really cool bride the other day. Um, <laughs> we on your stop. It was in my backyard. We just had a couple of myself and my girlfriend and my kid, and we just had a bride a party <laughs> in the backyard. <laughs> well, that's. Geez, and you you obviously social distanced and threw the burrowers rolls at each other, yeah, or handed them on long tongs or something. You totally. It was actually food fight. Food fight deluxe. And was it was your trance on full volume? <laughs> What? Your trance that's always on full volume, was that there? Yeah, of course. Right. How do we get through this? We need to stomp and be with the earth and one with the earth to get through the lockdown. I've got, um, I've got every now and again, every few days, I get a playlist from one of the lawyers at Schindler's. <laughs> Unbelievably. And he's cooking with it. It's great. He knows exactly what lockdown music's like. And a big, big up to Mike Lazar, one of our favorite DJs in Joburg. Mike has played loads of D-Days. Uh, he's just put up a quarantine set of Latino music on his SoundCloud, and it's really cool as well. There's an hour and a half of really cool music. There's so many people doing so many free things online. It's excellent. What did you all end up watching for D for 420 last weekend? What was it? Did you go onto any live streams at all? I, I saw the back of my eyelids at night because I, I proceeded to eat about 1,500 milligrams of THC and, yeah, the couch got the better of me. <laughs> so I had a good 420. Yeah. <laughs> you see, I didn't really do too much on 420. We were busy in the garden again with the, the biggest tree. Yeah. So I started catching up on watching like, the replays of the live streams today. The, I started watching the high stream one today. It was quite cool. <laughs> but uh, the rest were a bit hard to find. <laughs> I see. Well, uh, we've, been work we've been working really hard this week to try and coordinate D-Day on Saturday because somebody had a bright idea to live stream it. 
with the bands involved and the affiliates and all of the sponsors. And so it's actually coming off and the Fields of Green crew and others and the Hotbox techies and everybody else are, um, uh, there's actually, yeah, you see, we've even got smoke effects coming in tonight. Very technical show tonight. Plenty of sound smoke effects coming in tonight. It's really weird. There are three people in the studio and it's not that long ago there was only one person in the studio. So it's like things are brightening up a bit. He's smoking all our weed this way. So we've got a poll for you tonight, guys, because uh, we've been listening in on what's happening on the street and how hectic it is to get from A to B, even if you can find some weed. But is the price going up or is it going down? It's kind of a little bit conflicting. It seems to me that the more you buy, the less the price is all of a sudden. But the, the more you get on the street in a bankie, the price goes up. So tonight's poll is, has quarantine affected chronic prices? It's got higher. It's about the same or it's gone down. In your hood, has it gone up or has it gone down or are you paying exactly the same for uh, all the weed in your hood at the moment? Because if chronic went up at the same speed as tobacco products, then it's going to be like a grand a gram for high grade soon. It's, uh, it's not just lockdown as well though, it's that awkward time of the season when there's not exactly, the dealers don't exactly have all the stock in the world, but no, but the harvest is coming very soon. It's all exactly. Now the harvest is coming. Big truck, big truck got caught by the army this week coming in from Swaziland, massive fucking thing. It was, uh, it's on, there's an army, I don't know, army Facebook, SA government, whatever it is, I, I saw it on there, uh, pretty fucking grim. So, so they also struggling. Um, the has any of, have any of you guys I've seen it? I've that my prices locally have been actually coming down. People have been giving some uh, pandemic based uh, discounts. But I think as stock gets harder and harder to find, prices are probably going to go back up again. And do you think do you think it's going to get harder to find because it's going to become more difficult to transport and everyone's going to sit on it? Because it seems to me that there's shitloads of weed around all over Facebook, everywhere online. There's like fucking weed everywhere, but it's getting tricky. I think for to every get from... like uh, hundred kilos of weed, there's a fucking soldier on the streets though, with the, those seventy-five thousand soldiers. That's going to make things a little bit difficult. Yeah, but um... and maybe I'm just being the prophet of doom. I don't know. Well, look, if you've got a couple of bankies, that's one thing. But if you've got a bottle of scotch that, or a, a, 20, a packet of carton of 20 cigarettes, then right. that's another thing altogether. Right. Or a cooked chicken. Fuck, yeah. imagine. Yeah. Have you guys managed to find contraband mm. cigarettes yet? How are you guys doing? You don't, you're not doing any more mm. tobacco at all, Buzz, no? No, no, no tobacco at all. But I hear even people in high friends with in high places with dodgy friends are also struggling to find tobacco. But I'm not hearing an upswing in weed queries. Usually on the ICO we get land queries every week. Hi, where can we find? Where can we find weed? But at the moment everyone still seems to have. So even if prices are going up, people are obviously buying, eh? Um Dave Sewell's on the I've got thread. access to cigarettes, but I haven't taken anybody up on it yet. Okay. Well, um, yeah, well, we know there's some contraband one, around. Dave Sewell, Dave Sewell's north of Pretoria, and he says Siggy's are easy to come by. Hook us up, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> there's Devon. Look at Devon buying cigarettes for all his friends, and he doesn't even smoke. That's cool to do, Devon. There's no, there's no prejudice with this guy. There's no drug apartheid at all. Drugs are drugs with this guy. 
So Quinn and Dave are on the thread oh, and um, they came up with this mole thing last week. Joe, you reminded me to talk about it today. That uh, because Cannabis Cares, is that right? It's called Cannabis Cares. Tell us about cannabis it, Joe. Cannabis Cares South Africa, yeah. So basically, it's the brainchild of, of um, Quentin and Dave from DQ Central. They are um, challenging people to do a half gram of weed, whether you do it in a, a bong, uh, a, a pipe, a glass, rose petals, onions, a, a Bible leaf. I saw somebody smoking out of a brick. Uh, any way that you can find to smoke half a gram, smoke that half a gram and send in the video. And you started off with, I'm doing this because cannabis cares. Um, and then when you post it, you post it with the hashtag um, Cannabis Cares SA and hashtag DQ Central Show. Um, and for every video that gets posted, um, they will ensure that a bottle of CBD gets donated to charity. So they're getting in bottles that are, are being donated from other nice. places. I know Magic Dragon's donating. I'm sure the Toke House is, is donating. Um, yeah, and can people I think get it's involved a really nice if, if they want to be a part of the donation? Like if they have products they want to donate? <clears throat> I think they just need to get a hold of, of um, DQ Central probably through their Facebook page. Um, and they can chat to them there about adding to the donations. I'm sure so, nothing will be turned away. No, and and sure, let's get so, hundreds and thousands of people to do the videos. I'm going to still do mine. I've been a bit busy, but I'm still going to do mine. I saw um, I saw Quinn's and I saw Dave's and they gave it their best shot and whacked half a gram because half a gram, look I've got a pipe here that does um, easily half a gram and I've used that one up during the yeah. show so I might have to reload it. How about, My, how about half a gram of your dabs? Yeah, but I would, well look, it's, uh, we've got some Ooh. pretty epic dabs around going. What You, you were saying Buzz that um, you're not getting hit up about anybody for weed, who's looking for weed. We actually got one today from somebody that's looking for dabs in Cape Town. Where can I get dabs in Cape Town? And fuck, I don't know. I don't want to get involved, you know, because like all of a sudden they're going to monitor me, my phone yeah. to the square inch because yeah. I might have fucking COVID or something. Yeah. So now they, anyway, I'm getting spooked with the electronics. But there are, there, there, there is a bit of an upswing. Yeah, like public service announcement. Fields of Green does not keep a list of every supplier in the country. We, we just don't have it. It doesn't exist. End of public service we announcement. Get, we get every single... <coughs> and we, we mostly reply, you know, really politely. We don't, we, we don't stop it. We, don't, we say, sorry, it's not our line of work or we can't help or we're Joburg-based or something. But people, generally speaking, seem to be uh, sussed. I think Buzz is right. People got locked down okay. And, and, but most of the people I actually know, they sort of grow, they grow their own anyway. So not many people I know actually get involved with the street, per se. I'm a bit old with the street. I've forgotten what that was like. I'm getting soft in my old age. But that's yeah. that's the beauty of the Zondo judgment. I don't have to go down that fucking scaly place anymore. Yeah. I can grow myself some dank and but not bother exactly anybody. Exactly, even the people who didn't know how to grow before have used this lockdown as an opportunity to like teach themselves how to yeah. Because you got YouTube and stuff. Before lockdown, everyone was like, where can I get seeds? Where can I get seeds? Um, I had Joe Pietri on, on the line today from Golden Lion Seeds in California. Just say hello because the publicity South Africa's getting about how we haven't got as much a curb as anybody else. Because like in America, they're rubbing it in. The curb is like this in America. In South Africa, it isn't. So there's this dichotomy. So... They are showing pictures of fucking crazy and military and 
and insurgency and riots and people breaking into bottle stores and stuff. They're showing all of the social dismay of it all on, on television in America. And he actually rang to say, how are you doing? Because, it, you know, they're, they're having a shit time of it, but the fucking army's not in the street in Portland. It's, um, we'll hear about that from, uh, from Russ Belville, our guest, a little later on in the show. So, um, Warren, yeah, there's Warren. The higher the curb, the higher the agenda. Well, hell, yeah, there's definitely something going on. I can feel it in my blood. And there was a massive road, a big army roadblock next to us today, within a kilometre, in a very arbitrary place, but they'd set up and they had lights and they were going to go into the night, both sides of the road, cops with army tents and stuff. Really weird feeling. It's like they're using the army tech, but it was just the police, you know. Have you been out at all, ever, Buzz? You know, you're not basing, you're not going out anywhere, no? I'm not going out anywhere. I think in the last two, three months, I've probably only been out two or three times anyway. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm not going out anywhere. I'm not, I'm, I'm using this time as the universe saying, you know, recharge the old batteries, gather up all the marbles. I'm really just trying to make the most of that. I think, I think you're right there. It's the longest Myrtle and I have ever spent in our lives not reacting to an alarm clock, ever, in our adult history. Even the movies is totally driven by the alarm clock. It's absolutely part of your life. And then Dhaka couple is because you got to, you know, we run a business from there and it's like uh, you've got to be on it. But now it doesn't really matter, except it does. You try and stay in a groove, but it's fucking brilliant not waking up with an alarm clock. Sets the day off totally different. I think, yeah, I think after this whole lockdown, um, everyone is going to have a bit of a slow start getting back into the swing of things. It's like having a super long weekend because, I mean, people are just changing from their night pajamas to their day pajamas pretty much because they don't have to go out. I mean, you know, I try to wake up every day, have a shower and get changed into, you know, normal workflows to get back into the groove of things. But sometimes you're just like, fuck it. <laughs> And there's no reason why you can't, because you ain't going anywhere. No, we're not. I, I'm, I'm in a position where I don't have to go many places. It's okay. We've been doing this for a while. And to catch up with all sorts of shit. You know those jobs that you put up? I'll, I'll get around to it when I've got time. Well, shit, we've got some time, eh? We've got some time. It's quite weird mm. how the whole world's got some time. And the pictures, the online pictures of all the drone footage around the world of major centers, they're just getting more and more remarkable. It's really cool to see in this really weird way. And of course, since the last time we all met boys and girls, um, the oil price went to below zero. <laughs> and, back <up. laughs> and then back up to zero again. So have you ever thought how fucking weird the world actually is? It's pretty out there. It's like there's a glitch in the matrix or something. It's some it's, it's, the, the game is lagging. Something's gone wrong. It's all upside down. Yeah. Well, um, it's, <laughs> it's pretty much it's pretty much upside down all over the place because um, it's a global pandemic. That's what the word is. And for the last since we've all been locked down, this is like the fourth edition. Is it lockdown? Number four in a row of maybe number five now. Yeah, it's, it's number five. It's number five of this lockdown it's situation. It's one being out of the studio, but that's because you guys have just come back. We did one from home before official lockdown. All right. Well, we're going into our fifth week here now of being here. So we um, 
we have been trying every week to go around the world. We haven't got to Australia yet, but we've done some Europe and we've done some South America and we're back in North America tonight. Uh, last week we were in, where were we last week? Oh, in New York with Danny Danko and the week before that was with Julian in uh, California and we've done Florida, uh, we've done Washington State and now I think we're going to head to Idaho if I'm correct. Is, is Russ Belleville in the house? Right here. Oh man, there. Oh, there I am. Hello, I'm unmuted. Nice, Russ. Good to see you, man. Hi, Russ. So, so yes, good to see you as well. Uh, I am currently at 4,420 feet elevation in a little eastern Oregon mountain town called Sumter. And this, uh, what you're seeing here behind me, is our legal, uh, licensed, regulated cannabis shop. So uh, I'm a co-owner in this shop, and I'm up here running the shop for now, although it's still morning here, so we're not actually open. Uh, and then there's uh, Hemp World, which is in Boise, Idaho. So I'm kind of straddling Oregon Idaho these days, going from one jurisdiction that is probably the most marijuana-friendly jurisdiction in the United States, Oregon, into the other jurisdiction, which is after this coming election will be the last jurisdiction in North America where all THC use for any purpose by anybody is illegal, including less than 0.3% THC hemp, illegal in the state of Idaho. <laughs> oh, man. So let me correct me if I'm wrong. Are you, you are in Idaho because of your dad and you are you're the activist of activists going around Idaho looking for petition signatures, I believe, at this point. That's the only reason you would actually be in Idaho. That's right. Uh, my father just turned uh, 78 years old. He's had uh, diabetic peripheral neuropathy for about 20 years. Doctors have him on a peanut dose. Uh, and he was just, his brain was all fogged up, which was sad because he's hyper intelligent. I mean, that's where I learned how, uh, and, you know, stops up the bowels and has all sorts of other terrible side effects. You got to have the, the pills and then you got to have the pill for the pill and then you got to have the pill for the pill for the pill. And it was just crazy. And uh, he came to visit me when I was living in Portland, Oregon. And then some one-to-one uh, -one THC CBD tincture, right? Because you also have to understand my dad is a 40-year recovered uh, alcoholic drug addict and a former drug and alcohol counselor. So the last thing in the world he wants to do is get high. And I said, well, Dad, you're on 60 milligrams of morphine. Uh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Talk about high. So uh, he tried the tincture. You know, he tried it under his tongue. And he was, it was like, you know, miracle. And I know a lot of heard the medical marijuana miracle story. Oh, it's, it cured my cancer. It helped my epilepsy. We've heard it all. But, man, when it's coming from your dad, it just hits in a whole new way because he told me he he said that my pain scale without anything is like a 10 on a 10, uh, 10 out of 10. He goes, when I take the 60 milligrams of morphine, it takes me down to about a five out of 10. So it's still hard to sleep and all. He goes, this tincture, Russ, it took me to zero. Like I had no pain, zero pain for the first time in 20 years. So what's the medical cannabis? I'm, I'm not going to send them back to Idaho and force them to have to, you know, go back on morphine. 
And so he's like, well, how do I get this stuff? And I go, well, you don't, Dad. You live in Idaho. It's a felony in Idaho. You go to prison in Idaho. <laughs> well, uh, you know, and you can bring me some. I'm like, the fuck, I can. <laughs> I'm going to be a, you know, an inter interstate drug smuggler with my profile. Uh, no. I said, kind of jokingly, I said, well, you know, Idaho's got the initiative system. You could always, you know, put in a petition to change the law. Well, how do I do that? Oh shit, he's he's serious. <laughs> oh no, I guess. And and long story short, we ended up uh, putting together a petition to uh, legalize medical marijuana in the state of Idaho this year, which was, you know, it, it was already all volunteer effort. It was already squeaking, you know, the closest to the margins we could be, and then coronavirus hits and takes out our our whole raising, our whole springtime, you know, signature gatherings. So it doesn't look like we'll be able to make the ballot this year, and and it's pretty sad because. The only other jurisdiction in America that has zero acceptance of uh, marijuana, even medical, uh, even CBD, is South Dakota. They've got both medical and recreational on, on the, the ballot. ballot. Quite astonishing. <clears throat> Quite That's the last state in America where you can't even have CBD oil. We tried to pass a hemp bill this year just because, you know, the United States government, the whole federal government, has legalized hemp under the 2018 Farm Bill. So... In America, finally, like most civilized nations, you can grow industrial hemp crops, which are you know, internationally determined to be less than 0.3% THC for absolutely arbitrary reasons. But anyway, that you know, the federal <laughs> government said, okay, that's fine, we're good with industrial hemp. But state laws still have to change, right? So it just doesn't force the states to make it legal so Idaho is one of these states that still didn't have a hemp law, and, and famously they had a trucker come through from Oregon where it's legal with like 2,700 pounds of hemp in his yes. trailer, and the Idaho cops pulled him over and trumpeted on the evening news, the largest drug bust in Idaho history is <laughs> <laughs> hemp. So uh, the, the guy, that they, they ended up putting the, the trucker in jail that was big, you know, brouhaha on the news about it. He did eventually end up getting uh, released from jail. He ended up spending five days in jail. He got like a misdemeanor and a fine. And the misdemeanor had to do with not having the proper paperwork declaring that he was trucking industrial hemp across Idaho, which is kind of screwy because there is no such <laughs> paper. Like they, they doesn't exist. All right. So to try to fix that, the Idaho legislature came up with a bill this year, said, all right, we'll up our industrial hemp. You know, we'll make a definition that says industrial hemp is, you know, less than 0.3% THC. We'll match the federal law. And the Idaho governor, Brad Little, contained THC. Unbelievable. So this is all now kind of put on hold with this whole virus thing going on, Russ. Describe to us what's going on. Is there any difference in what they in, in Idaho's regulations of lockdown to Washington State's or or, or Oregon's? Are there, just like weed laws. Uh, Washington and Oregon, yeah, Washington, Oregon did theirs uh, sooner and more comprehensively. But shockingly, for being as Republican right wing red state as Idaho has, uh, it actually has done some you know lockdown and and, and some procedures that are you know pretty good. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with Idaho's proximity to Washington and Oregon. 
right? You can't have a free-for-all going on in Idaho and then a lockdown going on in Washington and Oregon. It didn't really, uh, didn't really fly. So uh, it's been all right. Um, you know, as far as if you told me that I'd be forced to stay inside on my computer all day smoking weed and avoiding people, I'd tell you, you know, I've been doing this my whole life. <laughs> it's absolutely right we're doing the same i mean myrtle and i've lived on this property for for years and we've been at home a lot and now we find it easier than many many people to be in this sort of isolation we we, we're putting it to good use but we you you maybe have seen some pictures about south africa with the army in the streets and a lot of trouble going on and all sorts of stuff going on is there a bigger police presence in your part of the world? Are there army there? Are there more travel restrictions? You're not going to get a truck full of hemp through Idaho at this point, are you? <laughs> no, no, you know, the, we've gotten nowhere near that here. Or east in the west. I don't know what's happening in, say, like New York, New Jersey area. But here it's just, you know, the streets are somewhat empty, but... If you get some gasoline at the gas station or go to the store, I mean, they've done some things like at the grocery store, you know, you're supposed to wear a mask and and they've got little stickers on the floor to tell you to stay six feet apart. And they've made the shopping aisles one way so that you're not crossing past people. But aside from that, it it hasn't really been seen as a big deal where I'm at just because it's it's largely rural. And so there's not, you know, a, a big a big a hue and cry to go out to the nightclubs or whatever. I mean, uh, people sure. are just rural country people, and so it hasn't affected them too much. And in um, in Portland, Oregon, is it classified as an essential item like it is in other states? Are there dispensaries open? Yes. And you uh, can... Yes. Uh, the state of Oregon has declared uh, that the medical marijuana, that's why I'm here up in Sumter running our dispensary, you know, we uh, uh, ran out of employees. One of our employees actually got uh, COVID-19, you know, pretty seriously, you know, ICU kind of stuff. So uh, myself, I'm one of the owners and my partner, Lori, she's also one of the co-owners. I'm here in Sumter while she's in Boise. Then we flip-flop, you know, know, so we're traveling quite a bit. It's 100, let's see, 180 miles between the two places or 150 miles between the two places. So we're driving yeah it's been uh, it's it's been quite quite an ordeal up here i gotta say and describe <clears throat> describe your cbd shop to us behind you yeah do people come in they don't need any oh. prescription do you have any medical advice there is there anybody describe what's going to happen uh, when you open the door okay so uh the shop i'm at right now is our, our licensed marijuana shop And stuff, all sorts of good stuff. Like uh, today, we got some tangerine B1. Uh, this is some sativa, uh, 21.72% THC, with um, pretty pretty nice bud. And this, this is our top shelf here. So uh, here we go. This is oh, nice. our top shelf bud. And it's going for uh, let's see, one eight dollars a gram, or 160 dollars. And then go all the way down to the the value shelf, this is some grape ape. Oh, wait, let's get the other one. It's purpley. This is some uh, lavender. You have to do this because I can't, can't smoke that here in the dispensary. But, these, uh, I can show off buds. Are these THC products? This is some of the grape ape. Hmm. It's marijuana. Yes, oh, yeah. These... Not, not a CBD shop. Two different places. Yeah. 
case, lavender bud, it goes for $100 an ounce, $5 a gram. And that's with tax included. But uh, the other shop, uh, the Hemp World shop, uh, that's in, in Boise THC is illegal, like I was saying earlier. So we can't even sell hemp oil that has less than 0.3%. It has to be zero THC. But we do have CBD products. So when you walk in there, you don't have to be even 21. You can just come in at any age. Uh, what we're trying to do with the shop is to be like the activism central for marijuana promotion, cannabis promotion in the state of Idaho. And so we're selling everything we can that's cannabis related. There's The CBD craze has kind of happened in America now, but you find it sold at like gas stations and tobacco shops and hair salons, you know, and multi-level <laughs> marketers with their little schemes. We're aiming to be more educated and the worldwide war on it for the past century. So in addition to us having our CBD tinctures and candies and, and, and dog treats and stuff like that, the typical, you know, pain cream, you know, the typical stuff, we also sell hemp. We sell hemp blue jeans and hemp overalls and hemp uh, rope uh pull toys for dogs and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we, we aim to be more of a, a broader spectrum of, of, of cannabis than just the gas station selling CBD oil. Fantastic. So with that in mind, we have a, a, a slideshow that runs that discusses the history of the drug war. We have educational articles that are posted. Uh, we have a, even a little section of tie-dye t-shirts if you're into that kind of thing. So that's what the Boise Hemp World's all about. And you can order our stuff uh, online from anywhere in the world at boisehempworld.com. You can even get yourself a Radical Russ branded CBD vape cartridge. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I think you should send a whole bunch of them over here. You can DHL them and we'll do a shit, yes. or, we'll do a shit or lit on the show. It's one of our favorite segments where we take yeah, people's to... products and pull them apart, dissect them with brutal honesty. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> yeah, we've got the uh, uh, DHL shipping on, on the website, too. So, yeah, we can get it in South Africa. Okay. Very cool. We've got, a, we got, somebody, on the, we've got somebody on the thread that's from Colorado. That I think she might know you, but she's, I can't see her on the screen at the moment. There's somebody waving at you from Colorado. Maybe if there's another. I can't see the whole thread at the moment. Yeah. So, um, I can zoom in the... Uh, no, hello Leonard. Leonard's up there. Arp Twark, hello Arp Twark. There's a whole bunch of locals in. Oh, howdy Libra. I know Libra. There you go. So Russ, is you um? Yes, Libra had Libra was one of my. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say Libra is one of my fans from uh, the old uh, podcast. Dale School English teacher in the state of Iowa, another one of our I states that was very harsh on cannabis. <laughs> okay, well, it's yeah, great to have everybody support marijuana legalization. They uh, found out she lost her teaching job. She was kind of excommunicated from the community, and now she's in a mountain town in Colorado, uh, working at a legal dispensary like I am. Fantastic! Well, it sounds like another part of the planet. We don't have any of that. We don't have trade. There are some people on the stream tonight that have a CBD shop just like yours with a whole bunch of product. But the minute you get into the realms of THC in this part of the world, you're you remain a felon, and now with like 75,000 mm -hmm. army personnel on the street, it's getting a bit more twitchy actually getting your favorite weed to your favorite thing, yeah. And I don't know whether you know that um, mm. since we've been locked down, I think this is day 29 or something, countrywide, they, they banned tobacco and alcohol on the day. 
So people again, oh. imagine that, Bruce. Imagine what would happen in Portland if they did that. Yeah, there was some discussion about that. Uh, some of the, the right-wingers uh, in America that are lamenting, I can't believe that pop shops are open and liquor stores are open, but the church... <laughs> yeah, because, you know, alcoholics that can't get a drink, they're the most reasonable people to deal with when they're going through DTs, let me tell you. Don't we know? Yeah, I know, we know all of that. So it's really exquisite at the moment. The price of tobacco has gone up like four times in a week and people are very twitchy driving around with a bottle of their favourite scotch now. But we can sit at home smoking as much weed as we actually like. It's the strangest thing. Since I saw you in America in August last year, it is a fundamentally different world, Russ. Completely, man. Yeah. Have you, That's um, wonderful. I, you know, I, I remember... Have you still got the Have you still got the Airbnbs going? Have you still got Delta House as part of the the equipment there? Not in Portland, Oregon anymore. Uh, part of what happened with uh, the Portland scene is that once I had at six twenty friendly, well, everybody else started advertising as being four twenty friendly, and not everyone else was as scrupulous as to following the law as me. For example, there was one guy out there again. In Portland, is a pretty liberal city, so they don't want the Airbnb businesses to take out all the housing. So they have a law there that you have to live in the house. You know, you actually have to live in the house that you're Airbnb, and you can only rent out two rooms. And that's what we were doing there at Delta Nine House. But uh, I found people online that were renting houses in five tents in the backyard. Uh, guys that had three or four different houses they were renting out. It's like. By that point, you know, the competition got so fierce and the, and the, the margins so tight because the other thing is Portland taxes Airbnbs higher than any other uh, city in America. It just got to be uh, financially infeasible, especially with us living on the other side of the state mm -hmm. to try to run that business in Portland. But we do still have the dispensary uh, four rental cabins that are, uh, you know, all independent rental cabins with their own uh, uh, private bathrooms and are all 420 friendly. So you can buy your herb here at the cough pot dispensary and then take it right back there to the cabin and enjoy it. Man, it sounds like paradise up there in a log cabin. We, re we remember our trip to your part of the world fondly and you were the most amazing host. You took us away from weed, which is what we've always appreciated about our stay there. We went to the Rose Garden and we went to Cider House and remember shopping for second-hand trousers and stuff with the main street. We had a really good time with it and um, we'll be back one day, but we're still waiting for you to come to South Africa, obviously. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's definitely on the bucket list. Uh, I think the aim is for uh, 2021. Okay. Cold up here. Uh, we'll head down there. Uh, and, yeah. Well, and you gotta have my favorite strain on tap. You know my favorite strain. You broke up for a Say that again, Russ. Oh. Oh, sorry. I, I sorry. I hope when I get down there, we have my favorite strain on tap, which you know was Durban Poison. I oh, know. I'm sure we'll find you something like that. No, you wouldn't believe it, but there's some pictures of the rose garden <laughs> coming up down. Look at these guys are switched on in the background. This is one of the most remarkable rose gardens in the history. It, it really was. It took us a, our breaths away because we just did not expect 
to go to a rose garden. We thought we'd go to Delta 9 house, the most funky 420 friendly place on the planet, and smoke loads and loads of bongs, but actually no, we just went and got some fresh air. It was really lovely. It was really lovely. <laughs> um, Russ, you just mentioned your friend in the podcasting days. Is there any chance of you getting back to podcasting? Have you, have you getting a bit twitchy uh, yeah, about the, it? The, the chance has been up for no chance in hell. To, so I'm saying there's a chance. <laughs> I don't know. Is, is there is there a need for another uh, middle-aged uh, white guy podcast in the world? Uh, I'll, I'll check. <laughs> you know, um, it, all, it all really seems a bit passe at the moment. It's, I don't know what it's like in your part of the world, but here there's very, yeah, little, there's very little sort of weed content, local content, unless it's the cops raising hell with people. But uh, there's no real innovation or any any nice headlines going on. Everyone's locked down and preoccupied. Yeah, there's a million marijuana podcasts now, and I'm happy to see it. You know, a lot of them uh, uh, following in our footsteps with what we did with normal. Yeah. I know there was a... Uh, such, but... Oh, I was just going to say, speaking of that, uh, I've been uh, taking this opportunity during the pandemic to upload my archives to RadicalRest.com. So uh, my uh, everything I ever recorded, at least that I have on hard drive, is up there, uh, but dating all the way back to 2006. Wow. So it's kind of an interesting look uh, in, in articles and in podcasts of the six years before American legalization happened through the six years after. So it's a really good kind of little thing there. I've been putting that up there. And I think uh, my interview with you guys at the United Nations. Uh... That was a funny moment. That was really good fun. That for that, that very impromptu clip when we didn't realize that we were going to be in the same place at the same time. Well, for me, Russ, you've always been, yeah, my, that... for me, you've always been my go-to man for all the facts and the figures. And I really enjoy the debate that you, that you have on Twitter all the time. I'm there. I don't know how you've got the energy and the strength to do it all the time. You're always in there tuning people and giving them something to think about. So I kind of miss that in podcast land. That's me personally because uh, you've got the argument down pat, brother. You really have. And I kind of miss that, that um, cynical argument of yours, you know. Thank you. Okay. So we're going to let you go no, to your... Thank Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You say wonderful, nice things. And uh, who knows, I may return to podcasting someday. But if I do, I think it'll probably be uh, at a broader scope. I mean, here in Oregon, they're already pushing a, a, an initiative to decriminalize all drugs. And Denver is looking at decriminalizing psychedelic drugs. And I think broadening the focus into more uh, all realms of personal liberty might be uh, more my style. We'll see. All right, man. Well, we look forward to the evolution of Radical Russ coming to a Twitter feed near you. It's always great talking to you, man. Thank you for the time, and good luck opening the shop in 20 minutes or so. Good night, good morning, goodbye. Yes, thank you very much. Have a good day. <laughs> All right. Take care of each other, tokers. Cheers. <laughs> Oh, yeah, what a character. <coughs> we had three, four days with him, with Nelio filming it all in um, a 420-friendly paradise. It was super cool being shown around his hood. He's, he's such a character, and like I say, he is the go-to person for the argument. If you want to know how to crush an argument by a prohibitionist with sheer eloquence, just fucking go to Radical Russ. He's a genius at it. He really is. He just... 
He, his father taught him to debate. He was head of the debating school at Varsity, never knows what. And when you see him in action, he can take both sides of the story. He can be the prohibitionist if you want. It's pretty cool how he pulls it off. Anyway, what's next? You see how the lively Libra in the chat here says how Colorado quietly just decriminalized all drugs last month. Oh, wow. Okay, well, they got more. That's, That's awesome. Really it's really cool to know because, like, they've got more things to deal with. Yeah. But it's like such a cash cow around here. It's just madness. Yeah, people want more than it just being de mm. decriminalized. They want to start making money off of it, you know? Well, we got um, Rob House from Alicante in Spain. We've got South Africa, Stellenbosch. Uh, we got Cape Town, Stellenbosch. Jair, hello, my bro. Jair, you know what? Um, Let's cut a minute to something else that happened over the weekend, over 4.20, was a list was published. I'm sure you've seen the list now. It's a black list with gold writing, and it's endorsed with a bunch of the World of Cannabis Museum and heaven knows what. And we didn't know that morning that there was a list. And we get kept, keep getting pushed this list on Instagram on somebody's story. And we looked at it on a bigger screen a bit later on and realized we'd made the list as the Ducker couple of the 100 legends of cannabis. And it took the rest of the day for it to fully sink in because it's a big freaking list. Have you seen who's on this list, you know? So it took everybody a while to, there, there's the list. It took everybody a while <laughs> to figure out that it was alphabetical because they thought, people were saying, bro, you, you're just underneath Cypress Hill. Yeah. I mean, and we're not just I mean, underneath yeah. Cyprus in any fucking form. It's impossible. The tools we've all told you guys, but you don't you don't often listen to us. You forget. <laughs> it's easy to forget how how many things you've done for South Africa. You know. Well, um, it's yeah. it's an extremely cool list to be on. I'm not the I'm not the oldest person, and I'm not the youngest person. And the people who voted, thank you so much. I'm really glad that you did. I know that I know a few people who did, and. Um, there's been some repercussions, there's been some traffic because of it, there's been people saying, geez, look at that. And there's been some omissions, you know, there's people saying, well, this guy should have been on, and this guy, and this lady, and everything else, and we agreed. I mean, how could you actually narrow it down to 100 people? But, um, Dan, have you had a look at this list? Is there anybody yeah. you'd put on this list that wasn't on this list? No, this is quite a quite an awesome list that they put together. Um, I've also been going through the list over and over, looking at all the different people that they've decided to add to it. Uh, no. I mean, they've got all my, my cannabis heroes, all of my cannabis <laughs> idols are I'm on not... this list. So, yeah, yeah, it's pretty complete for me. <laughs> that, uh, Buzz, have you seen that you've looked at this list? Is there any glaring emissions in your opinion? No, I'm just amazed that there's 100 people to put on a list like this, which is amazing. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> You know, you know, I don't know if I, I can't see it right now, but you know who I would add onto this is Howard Marks. Yeah, Howard Marks, and somebody actually put Rick Simpson. Yeah. Rick oh. Simpson set the ball rolling in many ways. Um, uh, neither of the Emery's are on there, was another thing somebody said, but that was a Canadian saying it, so maybe it was a bit sort of close to home, I don't know, but we've been... There's been people on our threads and it's been shared throughout and we're really, it's sunk in a bit now as to the enormity of the list that we're on. We don't, 
it's 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 not a light undertaking this we're really quite chuffed because um as most of you know we probably broke our ass doing it and there's still a lot to do of course oh god there's such a lot to do but every time i see the president now he's in fucking camouflage he's not in like who the hell are we dealing with here now i don't know who we're dealing with to do cannabis legalization anymore it's more like the fucking military now Anyway, to be on the same list as Sanjay and the Grateful Dead and everything else, it's pretty fucking out there. So, Jaya, if you're still watching, um, you rang us and we were still breathless when you did ring us, and now it's pretty much sinking in. And it's an awesome thing that you're doing to cannabis throughout, buddy. You, you were never going to fit 100 people. It's a four hundred. You should have put 420, but there's no time. And we understand, and I, not up to me. It's just the conversation we're having. But thank you so much for putting us on the list. So, I'm uh, just so thrilled that there's three South Africans on there. I'm just so thrilled to see Tony Budden's name on that list as well. Yeah. Because he also deserves it. Um, we, we spoke to Tony about it later offline, and um, we were quite surprised. We were all quite surprised about it. But it's, um, it's lucky to have Africa on the, on the map about it because... You know, with them, things like canopy leaving, canopy growth, leaving the whole peninsula altogether and heading out, there's, there's, there's a future here. And there's, a, there's an epidemic in the way a little bit, but there is a future because everyone just left, as usual, and left everyone holding the baby or, or loads of high-tech greenhouses. There's, we don't know. But um, our next guest tonight, um, our final guest for the night, is Nick Heineman, who Myrtle and I have known for many, many years in many guises. But at this point, he runs the Afristar Foundation, uh, a permaculture foundation, and he's very, very involved in cannabis legalization in South Africa for, for years and years in the background. He's a brilliant lobbyist. He's got, um, he's got the gift of the gab towards Parliament, and he's written an op-ed piece, an opinionista in the Daily Maverick, which got published this week about this gap that it's possible that cannabis might have in a post-COVID world. At world, so um, I don't know whether you've read. Have any of you read the article? It's quite a thing. I actually was really cool with headphones on. You thirteen-minute listen, and you can listen to how Nick crafted this thing. And he's looking to a future of sustainable cannabis, just like he has been all of his life. But he sees it as a bit of a gap now. So are you there, Nick? Are you online at the moment? Yes, yes. Good evening, everyone. Hey, Nick. Good evening, hey, Nick. How's it going? Yeah, good. Uh, really, none of you guys read the article, except for Jules. Uh, no, they're probably reading it now and catching up, you know, they can speed read. Sorry, I shouldn't have put them all in the position <laughs> of saying no. They could have just nodded safely. Uh, <coughs> it's all good, it's all good. Nick, Thank uh, you for having me on the show and good evening to everyone. Nick, it's, um, it's really, it's, it's, we were trying to put it into words as well, what you did put into words. We're a little bit brain dead on the content. We've got we've got the ground a little bit apart from the odd post. So to see you having so many words actually published in like what we consider a really great order, and it was a really well crafted thing. You touched on many many things. How have you? Are you? How's the the response to the article been? You know, on Facebook, I think, and LinkedIn, there's been a fairly positive response. It, it needs to get out there more, guys. So I mean, I'm, that's why I'm joking when I say, have you read it? But um, it's sort of the culmination of 20 years work and with this COVID thing going on, I was very much like, you know, how can I make an effort and, and how can I contribute the best way I can? And so, 
You know, we, we also have a full-time lobbyist in Parliament, and um, we were talking with him and sort of in, this, in all these discussions, the sort of framework for this came out. So I thought, well, let me just write it. So I wrote it, and then somebody helped connect me into the media, and, um, and uh, we got it published, which was excellent. First time I actually managed to get something published. Um, and we're really just trying to, you know, for the first part of this year with our new lobbyist in Parliament, it's, we've realized that people don't know much about numbers. Uh, I'm talking about parliamentarians, you know, they know about DACA and things like that. But when you actually get into the nuts and bolts, they really don't know a whole lot. So we've got this uh, hemp bioplastics briefcase, not a briefcase, but it's a rolling suitcase that uh, uh, Paul takes around Parliament with him and you can say to these guys, hey, look, this, this is made out of uh, DACA plastic and, you know, you open it up and it's like Tony's briefcase, the whole value chain is there, the, the fiber and the canvas and the papers and the plastic stuff. It's all there and you can start telling an amazing story and no one really knows about it. Uh, so the emphasis has been on education, but I think with this crisis, the, we needed more. We needed like a sort of a shock or, or, or some statement that we can say like, uh, this plant can create X amount of jobs over X amount of hectares. And uh, that's why we need to give it attention. And, and that's what I set out to do with it. That's the first time we've really been able to quantify in figures uh, how many jobs. Sorry, carry on. Sorry, I shouldn't have distracted you there. I noticed that there was some pretty hard and fast figures in the article. I was going to ask you about that. Is that have they changed in the last four weeks of lockdown? Is that actually, is it possible to actually project anything at this point? How, how confident are you of those figures? Because it's quite a bold move putting some figures out there like that. <laughs> you know, Tony set out doing this a couple, about a year and a half ago. He put some figures down and uh, where we figured different things for different amounts for stalk, different amounts for um, seed and uh, different amounts for cannabinoids. It was way, way higher. We, our figure, our real figure, if you farm it properly, is probably closer to 500,000 Rand potentially per hectare. Wow. So, and I just took an average figure, um, but it depends what figures we're talking about. So, uh, for a while now, the last year and a half, I've sort of looked at the Zimbabwe model of uh, small-scale farmers. And anyone who knows much about Zimbabwe will know that there was that uh, uh, redistribution of land, and a lot of the big farmers, commercial farmers, lost their land, and uh, the tobacco, in particular, out output in uh, Zimbabwe plummeted. And 10 years later, what you've seen is that you've got hundreds of thousands of small-scale farmers that are producing as much tobacco today as those big commercial farmers used to produce. So it's actually a bit of a success story. And so I was looking at that and thinking, well, that's what we need to do with cannabis. You know, we've got a couple of, I don't know how many, we don't know how many farmers there are, but let's just say there's 100,000 of them. And let's say they each have two hectares that they can farm. So then that's one farmer, and, and then he's probably going to employ two laborers per two hectares. So if you can have um, 20,000 hectares, you produce, you've got 30,000 jobs. So that's a 20,000 hectare farm. That's tiny. I mean, it's a big farm. But if you consider that there's 3.6 million hectares under maize, 
just 10 of these hubs is like 6% of the maize crop and we're going to employ um, 300,000 yeah. workers. Right. So the numbers are there. I think we've, we've, we're conservative with our numbers. That's what I. Uh, that's what the anything. article implied. It's great. It's actually it's brilliant news. I'm really glad that there is a go-to place that we can send people to to say, oh no, it's their figures. But it's a great thing to be able to do to yeah. to get to the basis of quantifying this. And the other thing that you obviously at the bottom of the list of everything in your article was the fact that it is dachi. It's a, this is an industrial product. This is a way, and even seed. Just the fact that you can eat the seed, because out there soon the people are going to be starving. They're going to need something to eat. So you, 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 you address these very, very salient points, and it's a timely thing. So it's, a great, it's, a, it's an impact article, and I'll help you get it out, no problem. And I mean, that's excellent. I think everyone needs to try, because I, I think this, this COVID-19 is a real opportunity for us to bring in something new, you know, without just collapsing into uh, conspiracy theories and all these things. It really is an opportunity, and we're going to need to create jobs, and I don't know anything that can create jobs like the potential of this plant and whole new value chains. Uh, you know, and then we tried, the next step was to say, okay, well, how much value is there, you know, besides just creating jobs? What's that, what's that plant worth in the ground? And, uh, and there we got to some figures uh, CBD obviously makes it a lot worth a lot more, and, and the more CBD you produce, the lower the price of the CBD is going to become over time. So, uh, but we reckon that one one hub would produce over twenty thousand hectares would be worth about three point five billion. Yeah. So, so that that, would, that, that that is a lot of money. I mean, we're talking about three hundred and fifty thousand rand going into the hands of a small farmer on two hectares of land. Now, you imagine how that's going to change the social dynamics in Cisco, Transkai, Venda, uh, KwaZulu-Natal. You know, it, the, you, you actually can't even quantify that. It's, it's unprecedented in our history. And so, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Jules, we, I'm also a uh, run a permaculture NGO. So central to that is we, you know, we're wanting to bring in food security, wanting to bring in ecological right. planning so that it's not just one arbitrary crop that's planted, yes. you know, on the wrong way on the slope and the water's still running away and we've still got deforestation. We want to bring long-term ecological security so that when these things happen to us, again, we don't have these huge shocks. We don't have the whole economy falling down because it doesn't have to be like that. It's like that because of the way we've created things. So, Right, indeed. Uh, you know, it, it, it's really... Carry on. One of the one of the cool things about the article was it started off um, very early on making the distinction about local land races and how they are endemic and how they're bulletproof and how it is actually the only thing that's going to work quickly. So that was cool as well in that article to make people realise that they're sitting on a gold mine and we don't need a genetic from somewhere else for ten years local of trials plant. and heaven knows what to find a cultivar. Yeah. Local plant, local land, yeah. local labour. Uh, you know, we've been through a very, fairly diligent consultative process in terms of coming up with what our policy is in Parliament. It can't just be a bunch of people thinking what's best, you know. Free so, the weed, free the um, weed. Our chairperson, I mean, when I say about this, I'm talking about the Cannabis Development Council and sort of especially the Western Cape part of that. And... Uh, 
that's that's what's come out very strongly is that we we need to support the existing farmers and we need to um, we need to use our existing land race genetics. I think 20 years ago when we started this lobbying process, uh, things could have been different and we could have gone a different route. But we didn't go that route. Government had every opportunity to do it. They haven't. So we, we can't now take another 10 years to develop genetics and and go down that route. We, we need to empower people right now with exactly. what we've got. And uh, it's super exciting for me. And, you know, I was on this NOCO hemp uh, summit last night. And the, in America, they're talking about the same thing. You know, it looks like they're going to take their, their, their CBD percentage up to 1%, hopefully this year, because it's got nominal THC at 1%. But there, the activists are saying the same thing. This is ridiculous. Let's regulate at, at end use, you know, rather than regulate in the field where things are getting hot and exactly. your crops getting hot and has to get destroyed. It's just, it's... That's a, it's a, that's a fundamental thing. There's a, there's a point here from uh, Ras Warren. Um, the, 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 the per hectare um, uh, figures that you were laying down, which sector of the industry do you think would produce more jobs and revenue, excuse me, revenue, industrial or recreational cannabis? Do, do, you, do, you, do you think there will be a tipping point where industry is going to be worth much more than um, dime bankies? Where do you see that going? Do you think, uh, sorry, I'll, tell, I'll add it. I'll it's add. an interesting one, you know, because if you look at Pondoland, if you look at Pondoland and there you, you're paying three, four hundred rand a kilo, I'm pretty confident that the industrial value of that is higher than the current recreational value of. Okay. But if we go into a high value CBD crop that's sitting in a field, uh, obviously that crop is, is worth a lot more. Uh, so it really depends. That's why the emphasis must be that our land race genetics should be the cornerstone of, um, of the industrial crop because the farmers who are there are marginalized by the current recreational space. And unless we can upskill them, but the chances then of upskilling them, you, this is what the strain hunters have, have battled with from what I've understood all along is that if you go and give um, sort of high tech new seed species to these traditional growers that have grown land races, you're going to lose the land race. You won't really because the land race is fairly strong and tends to cross and cross and cross and will be dominant, but you do lose the purity of what that land race is. So how do we maintain that land race and put it to work and utilize it? It, it seems that that should be the cornerstone of the, for me. And I'm not saying I know everything. I really don't. It's, it's just the summary of where we are right now is that uh, it, it seems that it's most effective to use our land races as the cornerstone of industrial crop. Well, um, you know, I don't think that one or the other is going to create more jobs per hectare. I think it's probably fairly similar. Okay. It depends. Um, if, you, if you're processing by hand and hand rating on the industrial side, which is highly unlikely uh, in the modern world, then, then industrial would create more jobs. But I think it's, it's all going to be about the same, two or three jobs per hectare. The, the postscript to that um, remark of his was, um, do you think it would be possible in the South African climate to make a cultivar that could do both? No. That was quick. No. Do you reckon there is a cultivar out there that you've got a really dank smoke and make a lecker pair of pants? Well, you know, 
There's these guys in Cape Town that are building a hemp hotel. I don't know if anyone's heard about really? it. I mean, the outer shell is conventional, but inside it's all going to be hemp. And they need 90 tons of um, fiber to process into hempcrete. So one of the ideas this season was, hey, guys, you all like harvesting. Can't we somehow concentrate all the stalk from what you're harvesting and process that into the stalk uh, so that, you know, process that stalk into all the herd inside it into um, into hempcrete that we can actually use to, to build with. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the answer is there's always going to be uh, industrial application for, for dank smoke. You know, it's just obviously the high value is in the flower. But if 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 there was a collection point around Gauteng where people could go and, and dump their um, their stalk and depends how much they grow, probably not particularly valuable to them. It's more of a social experiment, but uh, it has a value and, uh, and it can be utilized. So do you think, um, you know, when we come out of lockdown, what, what is fundamentally different when we come out is that when we went in, people like um, Canopy Growth were still in Southern Africa. And while we've been locked in our rooms, they left. They have literally gone, all of them, all, of, all the way across the Southern Peninsula. Do you think that is an opportunity to be able to step in somehow we don't what did we need them for in the first place do you think we're better off perhaps without that kind of uh, energy and influence you think maybe they've left the shells of all of their equipment they can go and make a co-op out of it tomorrow I mean, I think there's a management buyout, so that that operation is in existence and it's going to carry on. I mean, right. I think if you look at the, what actually went on in that deal, it's it's uh, those guys are good business people, those South Africans involved in that. You know, they they sold their license to Canopy for a really good price, and uh, now they've exited <laughs> with the value of the license that they sold plus all the equipment. It sounds like and. Uh, and, and a viable business. So, but, you know, I think Canopy had already withdrawn. They, were, they weren't going to continue on the, on the South African uh, license side or the Atlantis side, that big project that was punted. But I, but I have to say, the people that made Canopy in South Africa were all South Africans. And they were really supportive to us on a lobby side. Okay. Way more than than any of the new emerging medical players uh, that we see that are South African. I mean, the medical space for me, is, it's not a friendly place. It's very commercially driven. It's opportunistic. A lot of them are ex-miners that are now like seeing the space there. They have very little idea of um, social goodwill or wanting to do the right thing. It's all about money for them. So for me, the, the medical side, it's not uh, the energy of it, if you know what I'm yeah. talking about, is not pleasant. It's, it's not the cannabis that you and I and everyone in the show knows and feels and talks about and, you know, what inspires us. That's not it at all. You well, know, we, we they're could... also completely, they're also very ignorant about the industrial space. And thank goodness for that, really, because it gives us an opportunity to go and play. Let them have it. And, you know, it's a high pocket market that's export orientated and uh, who knows if it's going to work. It's not, it hasn't right. worked for you anybody know, yet well, in, in Lesotho. I saw Medigo, Medigo getting rid of lots of staff the other day as well. It's, it, it's not an easy 
place to play there. No, it's a ridiculous. The only play, the only reason anyone's playing is they were allowed to play there. Nobody wants to grow weed there. It's brutal. It's already snowing. It's just the, the, the summer finished a week after it started. But that's another whole story. Nick, we're going to help you out with this uh, article. I think it's really well crafted. It's it's absolutely relevant. We've been tagging Steve Crutus with it, but he hasn't taken a bite on it or anything yet. So we'll get it out. We'll get it out there. And um, I urge everybody to go and read it. It's on the Daily Maverick pages, and it is, uh, I think, the, absolutely the future of cannabis. There's an opportunity. And there, are, there has to be a silver lining somewhere. We're just waiting to see how many of the however many million deaths there are, are not, don't have THC in their bloodstream. That's our big one later. You know, and history's written. And 98.3% of all the people who died on a ventilator hadn't had any THC in their life. And then we're vindicated. But that's a script for another. That's a, we're going to get ten years. We're going to get ten years of movies after that. After this, and that's going to be my thread. Though. <laughs> Nick, it's always always great to catch up with you. You and I. The last time I was at a conference, you were at that conference in East London. I haven't been to another one since, and I don't expect to go to another one for quite some time. So, um, thank heavens for Zoom for catching us all, catching up with us all, and. Good luck with Afristar and good luck with lobbying and, you know, we're, we're offline and there all the time and um, <laughs> we're listening in to everything you're doing. And um, we had Tony on the on the show, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, and he was thinking, yeah, wouldn't it be wonderful Tony. if yeah. we could push in some sort of emergency legislation <laughs> because there's an emergency going on and everybody has to grow weed, like the war effort, you know, like building ropes and shit. You know, I mean, there should be two things. We should all be growing food and we should be growing weed. Yeah. Uh, it's really it's really critical. Um, yeah. But I also just want to say while I'm on here that none of it's set in stone, that uh, we are hoping to represent the best interests of anyone. So if anyone takes offense to anything that's there or wants something to change, please reach out. You don't need to, we don't need to have a, a negative public discourse it's much better to just say, hey, what about this? Or can we work on that? And we, we really want to be on the same side. You know, we, we're working together and uh, uh, we really need to come together. The voices are few and uh, uh, we need to be combined around a, a common vision of how this can work. And that's what we set out to do with this document. Well, um, you know, just to prove to all the people that are watching that you've been walking the talk for a long time, you have been at this lobbying this from this angle from long, and we're just playing a clip of your 2018 edit of the People's Plant that's on YouTube at Afristar. And um, some of them, we got, we, while the trial of the plant was on in Pretoria, we had all these eminent people in town, and you managed to scoop them up like the true professional you are, whisk them away for an interview, and put this beauty together. It's 30 minutes long. It's quite easy to find. The People's Plant on uh, Alfred Star Foundation it is everything you've just written about two years later. Again, we, we're repeating ourselves all the time about the same stuff. So, um, Nick, good luck with the journey and good luck with the next part of it and the lobbying and everything else. And um, uh, I just remember this really beautiful beginning of this thing. I haven't seen this for a little while. Go watch The People's Plant after this. And we believe that the president's going to speak in about 20 minutes. That is going to do your head in. So the people's plant is there for you, folks. Yeah, rather. Yeah, really, rather. My no, Ramaphosa, no, people's yeah. plant, yes. Thank you, Nick. We'll see you another day, man. Thank you for joining in. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Cool, Keep man. well. Lots of love, everyone. All right.
Cheers. We've got a beautiful print of that in the hot box uh, uh, kitchen of the, the actual uh, poster. We're so far past free the weed, free the weed, you know? Yeah, we are now. So uh, what do you think of that, folks? It seems like seems like long ago the people's plant and the trial of the plant and everything else. I just want to cover one thing that I saw on the thread. John Veets on the thread. And he said um, a guy called Steve Bloom, actually the Steve Bloom, refused to be on the list of 100 because there wasn't enough women on it. So I didn't notice that. I don't know whether anyone else did. The, the list. Anyway, so Steve Bloom is actually, the, uh, he's Celeb Stoner. He's been in the game for a long, long time. Um, and he actually uh, boycotted the list because it didn't have enough of a feminine presence. So, hey, but I was under the impression that it was a woman that made the list with the help of some men and not that way around. So, the list will go on forevermore. Yeah. Right, so, um, the poll, I, I haven't mentioned the poll to anybody for ages. Has the quarantine affected the price of the weed you're smoking? Is it higher, is it the same, or is it lower? Or are you like everyone else around here and don't really care? Unless you're selling this stuff, I suppose. Because yeah. now, yeah, um, cigarettes, what's the most? We've had a pack of uh, cartons now at four fifty for gut rot shitty things. Yeah. with Mega like, blues. Fucking yeah, hell, but blues. Myrtle got hold of some and they had fucking grape flavour in it. Can you imagine what that is that makes what? grape flavouring in fucking grape apes, son. Homegrown, man. Homegrown. Oh, no, we got homegrown in the house now. Jesus, how many people are turning on to tobacco? The only thing I can tell you about um, tobacco is cure it as slow as you possibly can. Um, boom, boom, subcool. Is subcool on the list? Hey, no, he's he's, I'm not sure. No, I don't think he was. And Myrtle is a woman. Brendan, yes. on the ball there, there's, there's not enough women. It's, there are women. Uh, Mila Janssen's on there, but um, traded nine clones for two cartons. Zolbart, you're a legend, bro. That's the future. No, I, I don't know, you, those beautiful clones for all those, yes, anyway, it's very interesting for me as a non-smoker to see the dynamic. Hundreds of clones. <laughs> okay, amazing what's going on. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I can get hold of cigarettes, but I'm, uh, I've got my last one here, and that's it. What's that your last That's it. Because, you know, like, you know, I remember back in the day when I used to add tobacco to my weed so that I could, to my joints, to make my weed last. Now, recently, what I've been doing is I've been adding um, weed to my tobacco to make my, my release last. <laughs> 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 I've just been a consistent kind of stone the whole way through. Yeah. But this is the last of the tobacco-laced... Uh, <laughs> 